0: Welcome to the Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. In this episode of our Personal Lines podcast, our Associate Editor, Chris Han, interviews Kira Kimball, Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer for Marsh McLennan Agency. As the first person to hold that role at the company, Kimball discusses the marsh McLennan Agency's journey through diversity, equity, and inclusion. She shares what life is like in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, how she applies lessons from her earlier career in higher education to her current work, and what has kept her in the insurance industry for so long. I hope you enjoy their conversation. Okay, we are here with Kira Kimball. So Kira, thank you so much for being here. And you are in Sioux Falls, South Dakota.
1: I sure am. And thank you for inviting me, Chris.
0: Thank you. You're you're most welcome. And I appreciate your time. Um, South Dakota. I've been to a lot of states. I have not been to South Dakota. So <laughs> what do most people like me who have never even stepped foot in South Dakota, get wrong about South Dakota?
1: I think, you know, from the lens of DE&I, there's this assumption that there isn't diversity here in South Dakota, and that would definitely be getting something wrong. And okay. there's a lot of representation from different cultures here in the state and a lot of different industries to get involved in as well.
0: Tell me about that those different cultures uh, when you talk about diversity.
1: Yes, we are a big settlement for refugees and immigrants, as an example. So that really enriches our state uh, with people coming from all over the globe for many different reasons. And that uh, many of them settle right here in the community that I am in in Sioux Falls, but also uh, across the state. Uh, We uh, have representations from many different tribes, uh, Native American indigenous people tribes within the state as well. And that culture is definitely something that's imprinted in in art, um, in education, in um, in different types of cultural influence, if you will, and how life is done in South Dakota. And then I think over the past few years, we've had a lot of relocation of individuals from different parts of the country uh, with an interest peaked about uh, South Dakota and who we are and how commerce and and our wonderful quality of life here. Uh, So there's been a a lot of influx of, of different race, ethnicity and culture here, which has been an exciting part of our journey as a state.
0: All right. You have you have lived in South Dakota your whole life, is that right?
1: Except for about 15 years when I went to undergraduate and graduate school and then my uh, first years of work, if you will. Um, but after that time, I wanted to come back, and I'm very glad I did. But yes, for the major majority of my life, I've lived here in South Dakota.
0: What's been the biggest difference for you uh, in, in terms of the state from the time when you were growing up in your, in your hometown to today?
1: Well, I lived in a smaller town in South Dakota when I was growing up. So um, my opportunities were probably smaller, but definitely um, enriching because it was very much a community-based, um, we care about our neighbors kind of town, if you will. But I was probably limited in some of my experiences Uh, because of the small town nature. And when I went away to undergrad, graduate school, the world of work for a decade, uh, certainly I had bigger experiences, learned more about the world, uh, uh, encountering people of difference, if you will. And when I moved back, I had all of those experiences to bring um, to bear on my living, if you will. And I moved back to the largest community in South Dakota uh, which is about 280 with the, the metro area and so more urban metropolitan arts culture if you will it, it definitely was no longer the small town that I was living in South Dakota hmm.
0: okay what's the best part about living in South Dakota
1: the horizon that is something that I absolutely Adore when I when I travel places and I'm downtown in large cities and I see skyscrapers. I have so much gratitude about coming home, uh, because I can see the sky. I can enjoy the stars and the and the horizon. So that's a big thing for me. My family is here. Uh, my family's just down the road. Everything in Sioux Falls is really just down the road, Chris. And so I'm grateful for that and. I love the, the nature uh, on this side of the state where I am. We're more flat land, farmland, rolling hills. And then if we take the car five and a half hours to the west, there's beautiful black hills and fabulous hiking and different geography and landscape. And I love that about my state, too. All
0: right. You're really making me uh, uh, envious and and and. Kind of ashamed that I've never stepped foot in South Dakota, so I need you need to get out here. (laughs) You told me I asked you to send me a little bit of biographical material, and I want to ask you about some of that. You told me, first of all, that uh, when you were a young student uh, uh, growing up in your hometown, you gravitated toward the debate, speech
1: and drama crowd. I did. Tell me why. I I think I I like the intellectual pursuit of debate in particular. Uh, My parents could probably tell you I was a pretty darn good arguer as a kid, and I owe a lot of that probably to uh, the the persuasion and the argumentative skills I learned uh, from debate. But I love that competition from an intellectual perspective. You weren't going to see me be an athlete um, in a physical way, I was more in, intellectual and and for drama. I'm a. I know it's hard to to see over over this podcast, but I'm I'm demonstrative in my expression and passionate. And uh, with drama, you get you get an opportunity to be bigger than life. Uh, so I, I really enjoyed those types of activities as well.
0: So were you and uh, were you in in the school plays and and, and so? I was
1: in the school okay. plays. I. I'm a um, state supporting uh, actress award. I don't remember what it was called, but I got to go to state and and do those competitions. My best friends were involved and uh, it was just there's a lot of joy in, in preparing for a play or for a weekend of debate competition.
0: Your favorite role.
1: Gosh, I think uh Rosemary and Deadwood Dick. And I had to play a southern accent which was really interesting and I also um had my appendix out the week before the competition, so I actually ended up rescheduling uh the the actual show. So um there's a diva for you right there.
0: Oh. <laughs> teenage diva that's dangerous but i
1: loved i loved that that was a fun show
0: (laughs) okay um i want to ask you about something else that you told me in your bio you said after much thought about how you want to be known as a person you thought of three words joyful encouraging and generous so tell me why those three words
1: I mean, I remember discerning about this, and I really had a pivotal moment in my adulthood, if you would, that I really wanted to focus on how I showed up as a human being. And those three words really came to me very clearly, and those are how I align. Whether you you meet me downtown for lunch or coffee, or I'm showing up in a Zoom call, I'm planning an initiative as the DEI leader. Those are just really inspiring words to me, and they inspire behaviors that I think are valuable and that I want to be known as. I don't get them right every day. There's no question about that, but they are my aspiration in how I want to show up as a human being.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. We talked a little bit about this before we before we started recording, you mentioned that you were uh, the first chief diversity, equity and inclusion officer at Marsh MMA and you told me uh, a really interesting story so I want you to, to, to relate that story.
1: Well, I'm happy to talk about that because it is a a really pivotal point in our organization as a whole. And probably around four or so years ago, our CEO, Dave Eslick, uh, went through an unconscious bias workshop. And it was really an aha moment for him. And his reflection allowed him to see the possibilities for MMA in terms of really engaging in our own journey uh, along diversity, equity, and inclusion. And after that workshop, uh, he gathered some regional leaders together and said, I- I'd like you to, to be involved in helping me stand up uh, a de council, which is one of the best practices for a firm to step into. And I remember hearing my manager at the time, who's the CEO of the Dakotas, talking about this. And I ran up to him afterwards and I said to him, boss, remember my 10 years of work in higher education where I was involved in teaching and leading programming and advising and counseling and working with students. Well, DE&I was one of those spaces and I'd love to join this council. And so that was really my pathway uh, to getting involved and over the course of time, kind of uh, fell into the leader of that council and kind of the strategy designer Having that experience in higher education, it was a real gift to be able to bring it to the firm and also a gift to me because I have so much passion around it. So after the four or so years, um, Dave and the senior executive team last fall really thought that it was important uh, that we elevate a position for accountability, for visioning, for strategy around our journey. And I was again so delighted and um, humbled to be the first uh, to step into this inaugural role to lead DEI for our firm.
0: Well, let me ask you about that. You were the first, so you didn't, you weren't succeeding anyone. You didn't, you weren't following anyone. Did you have a mentor? Did you have a a chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer somewhere else who you looked up to? Um, did you have any kind of any kind of that sort of yeah. connection or leadership from someone?
1: Well, I, I will say, when I was in graduate school at Purdue, I had the good fortune of working in the office of the dean of students there, and that turned into my first full-time job post grad school as well. And I was surrounded by uh, amazing professionals in in student affairs and faculty members who really demonstrated. The importance of inclusion and belonging and building equity, which is fairness, really to educational opportunities and imparted in me these values of of creating a space for everyone and also the insight that all of our starting lines in life are not the same and that we don't all have the same access and opportunity and rights and protections. And those things really made me reflective. And and I'm so thankful again, to be able to bring that forward into our firm and Dave's support in this work. And hopefully MMA can be a beacon um, to others in the industry and to our clients and to our prospects as well. And we learn a lot. Uh, from those who've gone before us in the industry as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it, are there things that you take that you that you learned in, in academia that you can apply in your your day to day in in the insurance industry?
1: There are many things that I learned, especially now that I'm in this DE and I role, I am able to to pull forward uh, my advanced degrees. I'm able to pull forward um, my teaching and program development experience. Uh, So that has been critically rewarding for me. I I think prior to stepping into this DE&I work, I I often wondered, how do I navigate the insurance industry having been an, an educator and spent time in student affairs and higher education? And that was interesting. And my journey into the insurance industry really happened uh, through my sister, um, who was the CFO at a health plan here in Sioux Falls. And she, when I moved back home, she had an open position uh, for three months while her executive assistant was on maternity leave. And she said to me, "Kira, come be my executive assistant for three months And I bet you'll have some great visibility and you'll have a job offer after that. So I did what she said because I had two advanced degrees, needed to pay for those student loans, went to work for her, made a bunch of binders for my sister. She's the queen of binders. But you know what, Chris, she was right. I got a job offer in uh, provider relations. That's kind of the first foray that I was in insurance. I learned a bunch of new skills. I met a lot of people and once people understood um, my my background in education, uh, I was afforded some really great opportunities that I truly believe have led to this one. So I, I love thinking back on my career journey from the lens of where I am now and seeing all the pieces come together.
0: And that was how long ago?
1: Well, that was in about 2007. Okay, so 50 yeah when when i just stepped into a, a, just a few years prior to coming to my legacy firm with marsh mclennan agency
0: so that's a good that's a good run what what has kept you in the industry what's what's you feel
1: I love um, the vibrancy. Every day is different. And even prior to my role, when I was leading more organizational development consulting for our clients in Sioux Falls, uh, there's my day was always different. Our clients are different. Their needs are different. Uh, there's opportunities to really innovate and to inspire. And that is a lot of what education is. Uh, So it was really interesting to see some of those parallels along my journey, but I love MMA in particular because we really are a younger company. We operate incredibly entrepreneurially, and that's fun because at at heart, I I am an entrepreneur and love to, to try different, do different, dream bigger. And that's one of the things that we can do at MMA.
0: You touched a little bit, maybe there, on, on company culture. How, how would you describe the company culture?
1: I It's very colleague-centered, and that is something that I think is a differentiator for us. Uh, when we make decisions, we really think about the impacts for our colleagues, whether it's a, a, a new way of doing business, bringing a new solution to the table, thinking about our core values. Uh, and this was really demonstrated uh, through our COVID response, as an example, and it's just something that we've con- continued. So when I think about um, being a, a team member here myself, that's really important, but it's also important through the lens of DE&I, uh, that we are very colleague-centered in our decision making and um, who we are as an organization.
0: I just want to ask one more uh, DE&I question. Are there particular projects, initiatives, policies that you have uh, been championing?
1: Well, I can share something with you that I'm incredibly excited that we have just launched. And that is a Colleagues of Color mentoring program. So that was kicked off uh, just last week, in fact. And we have 60 mentors and 60 mentees that will be invested in one another over the course of the next six months. So that was um, an initiative that I was able to bring forward from my days in higher education in terms of uh, helping to develop mentoring um, materials, mentoring guidance, if you will. And I can't tell you, Chris, the excitement that I'm hearing from leaders who are mentors and also our colleagues of color who are excited about the opportunities to be invested in uh, by executive leaders across the firm. Uh, So that is um, a difference maker moment for us and for me to only be in the role for a a year and a half. And for when I pitched this last autumn and leaders to say with great enthusiasm, we're with you. um, That's something that I'm really proud of. I think our, our colleague resource groups, which center diverse voices and really empower them um, for visibility, leadership, um, emphasis in creating their voices around their culture, their heritage, their identity. That's been uh, something that we're maximizing as well. And uh, really feeling wonderful about our, our colleagues lift, being lifted up. And then the third thing I will bring up is uh, our education. And something that I I think our firm can be proud of is that we created our internal content and we also have a peer education team of, of about 35 colleagues who are delivering the education to one another. So we didn't hire a vendor. It's not put in a learning management system. Not that those aren't viable good modalities for education, but I think this is next level where we really engage our colleagues from a peer education standpoint. And it is a workshop that we either do virtually or in person on a shared learning. And we've set, you know, basically a vision for ourselves, for unconscious bias and allyship, that this is something the whole firm is doing together. Granted with 9,500 colleagues, it will take some time uh, to complete it, but that's been really inspirational.
0: All right, Kira, I'm gonna let you go. I really, really appreciate your help with this. Um, Good luck with everything. And I'm gonna come knock on your door when I get to South Dakota.
1: I hope you do. Absolutely. I'll I'll take you for a buffalo chicken salad downtown. I'm
0: going to hold Thank you, Chris.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate it. That was Kira Kimball, Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer at Marsh McLennan Agency. For more Personal Lens podcasts, visit leadersedge.com or subscribe at SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.